Hey everybody, this is Pastor Scott Frazier and I wanted to thank you in advance for taking the time to listen to this message. I pray that it encourages your heart, empowers your mind, and establishes your walk with God, enabling you to be the very best He created you to be. At the end of the message, I'll be telling you how you can connect with us and help us preach this gospel in all the world, all right? Now, take both ears, lean in, and let's go into the service. Favor, look at the person close to you and say, look again. Look at somebody else and say, look again. Just say, just say, look again. Look them in the eyeball. Look them in, and my dad used to say, look them in the whites of the eyes. Look them in the whites of the eyes and say, look again. Look again. Look again. Look again. Look again. Look again. One of the most challenging parts of being a pastor isn't the task of preaching. I've had people say, boy, it must be hard to preach. It's, it's, it's really not. It's really not that hard for me to do. It doesn't mean that I'm great at it. It just means that it's something that God's gifted me with. It's not hard for me to preach. It's not hard for Nick to win a gold medal in, in Kung Fu. He did this weekend. Yeah, excellent. It's not hard for him to do that. It's not hard for Caleb to shoot a basketball. It's just it's a skill. It's not hard for a plumber to plumb. It's not hard for Gary to do certain things with stone. It's not hard for construction workers to do what they do. It's not really hard for them. It's something they've been gifted with and skilled with. So it's something that they operate in. One of the most challenging parts for me is not the actual task of preaching, and it's not even trying to come up with sermon material or things to preach. If you hang around me for a while, you'll quickly discover that everything to me is a sermon. Everything to me is a sermon. Huh? Yeah. Retweet. Everything, yeah. Everything is sermonable. Everything is retweetable. Um... That's just that's just the way I think. That's just the way I think. Uh, Brian and I took a class yesterday, a concealed weapons class, and we spent about what three or four weeks there yesterday, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> that was a long class, man. I mean, it was like tons of information, but it was funny because uh, everything that the guy, the instructor, everything that he would say, I, I I would write certain things down, and I would I would I'd be like, man, that'll preach. That'll preach right there. He was talking about he was talking about how to how to aim your sights, and he was talking about how to focus uh, when you, when you aim at the target. And he said something interesting. He said if you can focus in on that light, if you can focus in on that dot right there, he said that everything after that will get blurry. Everything after that gets blurry. It doesn't mean that you can't see it. It means that you've chosen to lock in on what's important to see. I thought, oh my gosh, you know me. I'll be preaching that right there. You know, he didn't make that up. The songwriter is the one that said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face and the, three, and the things of this world grow strangely dim. Yeah. So, you know, finding sermon material is not that, it's really not all that difficult for me. Um, it wasn't difficult for Jesus, you know. Jesus didn't always consider the scripture. So for me, I can find material whether I'm looking in the book of Luke or whether I'm looking at the lilies. If I'm considering the psalmist or if I'm considering the sparrow, creation testifies of the goodness of God. Amen? So to as many as look for him shall appear. You can find him. You can find him anywhere, yeah, if you're looking for him. So, so the task of preaching, is it's not that difficult for me. It's not the hardest part of pastoring. Coming up with material is not the hardest part of pastoring. But probably the hardest part is walking with, working with, watching people that you dearly love. And they're going through what I would refer to as necessary change. 
Everybody say necessary change. Necessary change. Necessary change. I know it's unpleasant. I know it's uncomfortable. But it's necessary. You see what I'm saying? And not everything about this journey is, you know, hugs and kisses and warm and fuzzies. There's, there's some stuff you've got to go through, you know. If it was all about getting you saved, I could preach one message. You could get born again and that would be it. Are you listening to me? I don't think I'm going to be long today. I really don't. So just kind of hang with me. It's going to be good. Jesus says one time in one moment to one man, you must be born again. He says at one time in one moment to one man, you must be born again. But if you read the Gospels, and I know some of these are doubled up because they are multiple accounts, but if you read the Gospels, over 180 times Jesus mentions the kingdom. So would that not suggest to us that there's more to this life than just getting saved and holding on? You preach salvation and that's great, but how many of you know that you've been, have you ever been at that point where once you're saved, then the question becomes, now what? Yeah? Now, now what? Because when you, when you shift from salvation to the kingdom, track with me, I think this is going to be good, guys. When you shift from salvation to the kingdom, then it becomes about growth. Then it becomes about change. Then it becomes about maturity. Then it becomes about priorities. It becomes uh, 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 about culture. And when you see people that are being extracted from one culture to another culture, when you see them growing in one thought process to another thought process, there are three major seasons of growth in any area of your life. And I have been exploring this, and God willing, I'm going to be writing something about this. But there are three major seasons, and it's important to identify which season you're in so that you're not frustrated. There's a season of, everybody say learning. There's a season of learning. There's a season of earning. And there's a season of returning. That'd be good for the two of you that are writing it down. That's good. There's a season of learning, there's a season of earning, and there's a season of returning. And most of life's frustrations are when you don't know what season you're really in. So you're trying to earn before you've learned. Are you tracking? Yeah? And so it's important to recognize those things, and they can only be important, and they'll only be applicable if you have decided to embrace the culture of the kingdom. Now, if you just want to get saved and go to heaven, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. If that's your objective, then more power to you. But if you have determined that you want to be a disciple, if you have determined that you want to embrace the kingdom because you've decided that you don't want to just have a better destination, but you want a better family, You don't just want a mansion over there. You want to know what it takes to be a man here. Yeah? 
once you've embraced that level of teaching, then you're going to go through some highs and lows and ebbs and flows and ups and downs and all of those kinds of things. And as a pastor, that's one of the most difficult things. It's when you're walking with people that, that, that are embracing and therefore involved in necessary change. It's like, it's like parents. How many of you, how many of you parents and you've got, you, you've had kids that were little, you remember the time when you were going to teach them how to ride a bike, you know, and they ride a tricycle and all that's really good. And they got training wheels and all that's good. But you remember the first time that you ever took the training wheels off, right? And so you're holding on to the back of the bike and you're sort of running with them, you know, they're pedaling, but, but you're running along with them, you know, and you get to that point because I want to tell you something this is to all leaders you can't hold on to that bike forever you can't if you're still holding on to that bike when they're in college <laughs> something's wrong if you're still holding on to that bike when they're in high school something's wrong and part of maturity, part of leadership, part of parenting is knowing that moment. Everybody say that moment. Knowing that moment when you've got to do this. Let go. But pastor, they might fall. Oh, I ain't no might about it. Uh, let me take that might out of the equation. It ain't if they're going to fall. It's when they're going to fall. Because they are going to fall. You are going to fall. You are going to make mistakes. You are going to mess up. I hate it, but you will learn more from your mistakes than you will from your mentors. And you really will. Yeah? So you know they're going you know to fall. But it's necessary. Any of you had to walk through your child's first rejection? You know, whether, whether they, it was an audition that they didn't get, whether it was maybe an athletic you know, team or something or whatever it was that they tried out for and didn't, didn't make it. Uh, Lord, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend broke their heart. And you have to walk through it with them. And there's everything inside of you that wants to go and give that coach a piece of your mind. <laughs> we in the wrong church, I'm telling you, because yeah, it, it ain't I'm thinking about going over there. It's I'm getting dressed to go over there right now. Uh, Pastor, you're going to have to pray for me. I'm, all, I'm telling you in advance, I'm going to sin about 315. I'm going to sin like crazy at about 3.15. I am going to weave a tapestry of curse words that's going to make you proud. At about 3.25, you will see the ascension of dialogue and inappropriate words. Go, yeah, that's going, that's going to happen. Yeah, you want to give them a piece of your mind. You want to give that coach. You want to give that music teacher. You want to give that dance teacher. You want to give that. You want to go over there to that boyfriend or girlfriend that broke your child's heart. You want to look at him and say, you know what? You ain't good enough for my girl. You ain't good enough for my son. You were lucky. 
You are lucky. You ain't never going to find nobody like that. And again, you start putting hexes on them and curses on them. You start binding them in Jesus' name and all that kind of stuff. Why? You want to fix it for them. But you can't. Why? Because what they're going through, what they're experiencing, it is necessary. It's necessary. There's just certain things that are necessary, right? Then as a pastor, then I, you know, I look at newlyweds, couples, you know, that just got married and everything's great and everything's wonderful and I love you and you love me and we were made for one another and you're the yin to my yang, you the salt, I'm the pepper. You know, we, we all that, you know, I don't know how the world got along without us and, and, and you know, as a pastor, golly, you know, guys, that is so great. That is so awesome. And, you know, they, they, they celebrate anniversaries, you know, you know, this, this is our fourth week. You know, when you're celebrating week anniversaries and things like that, you know, trust me, that's a week anniversary. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but anybody that's been married, anybody that's been married for a long time, don't you know, don't you ever look at them and there's a part of you, you smile, you do smile, but you're like, that's so cute. You know, that's so cute. You know, cause they're newlyweds and you know, they're like pastor, you know, I'm going to be the man that God's created me to be. I'm going to be her rock of Gibraltar. I'm going to be, you know, they're going to go through things. You don't throw it all on them right then. You know, they're going to go through stuff, but it's necessary, right? It's necessary. And, and, and as a pastor, I can teach, listen, I can teach you cliches of faith. I can teach you statements. I can teach you that your attitude determines your altitude. And I can teach you, you know, that, you know, just hang in there. Give him one more praise, one more song, one more, you know, don't let the devil get you down. All of those things that preach good and they teach good. And, uh, but, but we hear them so many times that sometimes the life gets sucked out of the statement. And before you know it, they just become empty mantras. They're just cliche. You know, at the end of the day, as a pastor, I know that what you're going through is difficult and it's hard and it's tough, but it's necessary. Why? Because it's the trial of your faith that's more precious than gold. You cannot tell me what you believe on a Sunday when you got everybody cheering you on. I'm glad you're excited, but that don't mean nothing. It's only about Thursday afternoon, 3 or 3.30, and you done gone through some hell and high water, and you've hit the wall, and you've had an argument, and you've been rejected, and, and you've, gone, you've had a fight, and, and you, said a, you, know, you said something off color to your spouse or to your kids, or they smarted off back to you, and now, 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 you're having to somehow, someway, gird the loins of your mind and you're having to stay focused and don't throw the baby out with bath water and don't quit and don't give up. I know it's necessary, but it's the trial of your faith that's more precious than gold. And that's what God is after. I know it's not what you thought it would look like, but it's necessary. It's necessary. It's hard reconciling what you thought you'd see with what you're seeing. 
Don't tell me that there's not people under the sound of my voice that haven't laid in bed or wondered these very thoughts. Well, God, I thought I was hearing you. Lord, I, I, I thought that I was following you. I thought that I was receiving your instruction. Watch this. But I felt like I did what you asked me to do. And now look. You cannot tell me you don't know what it's like to look at your life and to think this is not what I thought it would be. This isn't what I thought it would be. Paul is writing here. He's writing to a church that he not only loves, but it's a church that he founded. It's a church that he gave birth to. Watch this. He's writing and exhorting and encouraging people that he loves dearly. And he's writing from jail. Ain't it hard to preach the power of an overcomer? When you feel like nothing but an undergoer. Can you nod with me? It's hard to talk about heaven when you're walking through hell. It's hard to talk about God healing you when you feel bad in your bones and sickness is real. We may not give in to it, but it's real. When the pain is real and you know that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. You can quote the scriptures. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We know the scripture. He sent his word and healed our diseases. But when you're sitting in the middle of a toxic mess and your body is uncomfortable, it's hard. And the last thing you need is somebody to come up to you and go, hang in there, bud. Don't tell me you ain't never wanted to look at somebody like that and say, come here, come here, come here. Come here, I'm about to give you the left foot of fellowship. Paul's writing this message, but he's writing it from jail. Paul is a little older when he writes this particular letter. He's a little older. He's not quite as filtered with his speech. You know, old people feel like they've earned the right to tell you. Parents and grandparents, they don't, they don't usually, you know, dole it out in measurables that you can handle. They usually just go on and tell you. And they'll tell you things that if anybody else told you, you would smack them upside the head. But because it's your mama, because it's your mama, you'll bite your tongue. Why? Because they've earned the right to say some of those things. Anybody else tells you that, you'll be like, uh uh-uh, no, I know you didn't just say that to me. I know you didn't. But if your mama says something to you, your mama can tell, you can have somebody in your life that tells you, well, you know, you got a lot of potential, but you you really need to fine-tune this and find your excellence and find your 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 your, your potential that you can cultivate that and, and you know, re- get your focus back and press in and lean in a little bit and, you know, gird the loins of your mind. That's another good scripture. And think on these things and just get it together. And your mom can look at you and say, boy, stop acting so stupid. Right? The older you get, the less filtered you get. The less filtered you get. My granddad, before he passed away, bless his heart, one of, one of my granddads, I was blessed with four. That was either a good thing or God knew I was so bad off, I needed a lot of help. So, but, but one of my granddads, he had a stroke, and towards the end of his life, um, it, you know, the filter was gone. He'd just say things. I remember preaching one time. He's in the back church. He would cry while I was preaching, and I was preaching something, and I thought it was real good, and he was in the back, and he was just... <laughs> 
hell yeah. <laughs> and you know, and what are you going to say? You know, it's your granddad. Everybody knows. <laughs> He'd be crying. He'll just get up and walk around. He's earned the right. He ain't waiting for a bathroom break. He ain't waiting for a bathroom break. He got to go. He'll get up and tell everybody, where, where are you going? Got to go to the bathroom. All right, uh, I'll be right back. Oh, he called me. He, 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 he always talked with his tongue stuck in his mouth a little bit, and he never called me Scotty. He called me Stotty. Yeah, Stotty preaches a little too long. I got to go to the bathroom. And, you know, what, and you know, what are you going to say, you know? An usher going to go over there, and you look at the usher, and you're like, So, you know, Paul, Paul's a little older. Paul, Paul's a little unfiltered, you know. He ain't trying to make no friends. He ain't worried about his Twitter account. He ain't worried about his Instagram. He ain't worried about his Facebook likes or likes. He, he's got what hopefully I will be in it long enough. I'm 55 years old, so I'm still trying to act a little young, but I know that I'm closer to where I'm going than I was to where I've been. But Paul's got a little senior swag. <laughs> I got it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of that, you know, that, that senior swag. And when they come in, when they say something, you know, everybody kind of be, you know, you, you, you got to hush. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. And, and, and Paul, Paul has a little bit. It doesn't mean that they're always right. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, a sage and full of wisdom and all of this. Sometimes they're just as nutty as all get out. You know, they just, it, I mean, it just is what it is. But you love them and they've earned, they've earned the right to say what they want to say. And Paul feels like he's earned that right, but he's still in teaching mode. And so he feels compelled to stir their courage a little bit. Watch this. This is where it's going to get good. Let me, I, everybody stand up when it's 15 minutes from now. Just stand up and I'll know it's time to go. Because y'all have been so good lately and um, I, I don't want to abuse the privilege. He's taught faith. He's explained faith. But now he wants to take them to another level of faith. He wants to take them to another level of faith. He's demonstrating a faith. Watch this. He's demonstrating a faith that's not situational. He's demonstrating a faith that is not situational. Are you listening to me, guys? Most of us live in situational faith. Okay? Most of us live in situational faith. Most of us live in situational faith. Most of us only exercise our faith when we see it working. When we get the promotion, we're involved. When we get the breakthrough, we're involved. Right? When we get the miracle, we're involved. Are y'all listening to me? Yeah? When we get the yes that we're looking for, we're involved. That's called situational faith. But can I suggest something to you? There's a higher level of faith because all of those things that I mentioned, those are trophies of faith. And the trophies of your faith don't really mean much. It's the trials of your faith that are more precious than gold. The trophies of faith are the things you should put on your mantle to remind you of His goodness when you're walking through something. David said, I would have 
fainted had I not remembered the goodness of the Lord. I looked on my mantle and I saw a trophy of faith. It was something that I went through and he brought me through. It was something that I needed and he provided the answer. It was something that I know only God could do and he did it. That's not the trial of your faith. That's a trophy of your faith. And the trophies are to help you with the trials. Yeah, the trophies aren't a guarantee that you'll never have trials. The trophies are to remind you that when thou walkest through the fire, ah, the trophy is to remind you that if I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How many of you got some trophies put up somewhere, right? They're reminders. I did it before. I can do it again. I walked through it before. I can walk through it again. I wish somebody would help me preach. I conquered that before and I can conquer it again. Just because I've got those trophies doesn't mean that I'm not going to have trials. The fact that I've got trophies means I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. And it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter where I'm sitting. It doesn't matter if everybody's cooperating. If a thousand are falling right here and 10,000 are falling right here, it shall not come nigh in my dwelling. Say, I hear you. So Paul wants to take them to another level of faith. Can we go back to verse 12? I want, to, I want you to see something. In verse 12, in verse 12, he's going to start telling them about what he's going through. Now, I want you to know. I want you to know. He's going to start telling them what prison life is like, how many beatings he's gotten, because unless somebody's tied you to a pole and literally beat the skin off of you, man up a little bit. Somebody taking your parking place ain't you dying to the flesh. All right? Anybody, you know, nobody's flipping a coin in the next room deciding whether you live or die today. Okay? Everybody say perspective. Can we put it in a little bit of perspective? Unless you hear a den of lions in the next room, one door over, and Caesar's going to do this to you or this to you, it's a job. Your kids fell. You got unfriended. You told a joke and nobody laughed. This affliction. We made affliction. Learn how to tell a joke better. Are you, are you guys with me? He's going to start by telling them what, what, it's life, what it's like, how he's being treated, what's going on. But I love this word. This word jumped off the page. You ready? Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually... has actually served to advance the gospel. But here's the thing that jumped off the page to me. Wait a minute. Actually. Hmm. Actually. 
actually I know this looks bad but the more I think about this actually I know they hadn't called in a while and I, and, 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 I, and I know it didn't work and I know I put a bid in and I know I didn't get it and I know I didn't get invited to the dance and I know I didn't get invited to the game and I know that they didn't invite me to their Christmas party and I know that this didn't happen and I know all of the stuff that didn't happen and I know I've been ostracized and I know I've been kicked out and I know that I haven't been able to make friends the way that I thought I would and I know it's really been hard since I've tried to do this and I know that being saved hasn't always worked out the way I thought it would because I thought that when I got saved everything was going to be hunky-dory and then I realized that I was going to have some things that I needed to walk through they were called some necessaries and I needed to go through these things but the more I think about this actually let's rethink this the more I think about it I realize This thing, this thing has actually served me. I almost feel like preaching right there. This thing has served me. Most of us live in situational faith. Most of us live in in, in the situations. And we can describe those situations with excellence. Well, let me tell you what I'm going through. Let me tell you what I'm going through. Let me tell you what I'm going through. We can defend our situations with passion. Well, pastor, you know what? I just can't be there all the time. Pastor, I'm tired and this and that. And I just can't read. And I don't have a good, you know, ability to comprehend. And, you know, I've always been, uh, that's not the way I learn. And we can defend our situation. And pastor, you don't know what it's like to to, to be, you know, uh, someone of a darker skin color. No, you're right. I don't know what it's like. I can empathize and I can sympathize. But you're right. I haven't been there. Well, you don't know what it's like. And you don't know what it's like to be a woman. And you don't know what it's like to be a single parent. And you don't know what it's like. And you don't And they're defending their situation and they're doing it with passion and I'm not negating the reality of their situation but what I'm saying is that sometimes if you'll just stop and take a deep breath and look in your rear view mirror you start saying you know what Uh, they they meant it for evil but actually oh this is a good time for y'all to rejoice a little bit not everything that I thought was bad turned out bad not everything that I thought was going to kill me ended up killing me. I know those two a days felt like I was going to get absolutely torn up. I know all of that exercise when I was doing it and I was climbing those hills and I was running the bleachers and I was lifting those weights and I was running those laps. And I know at the time I was mad at the coach and I thought, you know what? This is nonsense. This don't mean nothing. Why am I doing it? But now I find myself in the fourth quarter of a game and everybody's getting tired and now I'm thinking actually somebody help me actually it was good for me that I was afflicted 
It was good for me that the coach made me do the workout. It was good for me that I got told no because then I realized that I'm not an entitled brat and some things you got to work for and some things you got to strive for. And if you want it bad enough, ah, life is not promised to be handed to you. You got to rise up and take what you want and fight for what you want. And if it matters, you start, y'all don't clap your hands for nothing, do you? I done figured it out. Somebody give God a clap offering right now. If you know I've been through it, but actually, he could have told them what they already saw. I'm in prison. I'm in jail. I was thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. This ain't fair. This ain't right. They could have been talking about that. But he said, watch this. Instead of me telling you what you already see, look again. Let's look again. Let's look again. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's look again. You think because that's all you see, that's all there is, but look again. I know what it looks like, but actually, look again. Elijah said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He told his servants, go out and look, go out and look. They came back, nothing, nothing. What did he say? Go look again. Go look again. Go look again. Pastor, I didn't get the job. Go look again. I didn't get the call. Go look again. It doesn't seem to be working right. Go look again. I didn't get the right report that I thought I was going to get. Go look again. Somebody help me. Go look again. Because sometimes faith doesn't change what you see. Faith changes how you see it. Oh my God, I feel like running. I may not be able to change all of your circumstances, but if I can say, hey, 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 look from here. Oh. Oh. Anybody ever remember the Wizard of Oz? You don't have to say amen. (laughs) I remember watching the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz was some bad, you know, ogreish sound, intimidating, right? Yeah, fearful, intimidating, all of that stuff. And everybody was scared of the Wizard of Oz. And nobody wanted to mess with the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So the Wizard of Oz is this and the Wizard of Oz is that. And everybody, everybody was so scared of the Wizard until they got around the curtain. Watch this. That situation didn't change. But where they looked at it from changed. That's why oftentimes God doesn't change the things that you want Him to change the way you think He ought to change them, exactly when you think He ought to change them. Because God doesn't change those things, God changes you. 
I know that's not exciting, but that'll keep you in the game. God doesn't always change the things. He'll change you. And the way he changes you is not by changing what you see. That's perception. He'll change from where you see. That's perspective. And when you begin to see something from a different angle, you'll find yourself saying, you know, now that I've looked again, actually, actually, Elisha, Elisha was startled because Gehazi came running in and said, we're surrounded. We're surrounded. And Elisha told his servant, go look again. Go look again. And when he went and looked again, the soldiers were still there. But what he saw that he didn't see before were legions of angels behind the soldiers that outnumbered the enemy so much that the servant came back and said, you ain't going to believe this. Elisha would have said, yeah, I am. I'm the one that told you to go out there and look. You ain't going to believe this. Those that are for us are more than those that are against us. Oh, I done found my landing place. Are y'all good? We're surrounded. This ain't going to work. We're surrounded. We're going to die. We're surrounded. I'm at my wit's end. We're surrounded. We're not going to pay our bills. We're surrounded. We're not going to make it. We're surrounded. Our kids aren't going to make it. We're surrounded. This isn't good. We're surrounded. Our business is going to go under. We're surrounded. This is going to happen. We're surrounded. We're not getting enough people. And sometimes it takes the person to move you from situational faith to interpretation faith. And interpretation faith tells you, look again. Look again. Look again. This thing ain't going good. It ain't going right. I feel frustrated. This isn't what I signed up for. I can't fix all of that. But something Mark told me to tell you, look again. Look again. Who am I talking to today? Look again. Who am I talking to today? Look again. Uh, This is a tragedy. This is awful. This is terrible. It's not as bad as you think. Look again. Look again. There's going to come a time. Whatever you're walking through, God's saying, look again. God's saying, I haven't lost control. I didn't give the devil the power over that. Uh, Just look again. Sometimes you have to have somebody in your life that lives in a place of interpretation faith that can explain to you what's really going on so that you can look at life and go, oh, now I get it. Now I see it. I wish somebody would stand up and give God a prayer. Now I get it. Actually. Are you hearing me? When the karate kid was told to wash the car, wash the car, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. This is stupid. I signed up for karate. You telling me how to do car washes. That's not what I signed up for. That's not what I signed up for. Now, all of a sudden, he's attacked by an enemy. And the instructor tells him, wax on. The instructor tells him, wax off. The instructor tells him, paint the fence. This is dumb. I'm tired. I'm tired. Painting the fence. I'm tired. I'm tired. 
painting the fence, painting the fence. I'm tired. I'm tired. I don't, I don't want to paint the fence. I don't want to paint the fence. But one day you will have done that so many times that when somebody comes at you, you'll know to reactively and instinctively sand the floor. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. I'm tired of sanding the floors. I ain't no slave. I don't sand floors. I don't do floors. I'm not sanding floors. I signed up to be a king and a priest. You don't appreciate nothing I do. You don't appreciate nothing I do. You don't appreciate the sacrifice I've made. You don't appreciate nothing I do. Keep sanding the floor. 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 Do you know how to sand the floor? It's going to really mean something when somebody comes out to you out of nowhere and does that. You can sand the floor. Don't let me kick you. I know you respect me. Okay, so if I... So if life comes... Because, see, life is funny. Very seldom does life ever tell you, hey, in 3.8 seconds, I'm going to punch you. Uh, Life don't play that way. Sometimes life just, thank you. Sometimes life just comes at you. Some, ow. Sometimes. (laughs) And it's funny because the first time the enemy throws a punch at you and you reactively and instinctively, Mark, sand the floor, you're going to step back and go, actually, Actually, the trial of my faith turned into a trophy when I had to walk through it. And actually, actually, the thing that I thought was killing me, actually, it was helping me advance. Well, I sincerely hope you were blessed by the word today. And I pray something, something that was said would challenge you and give you the courage to reach for the change you desire. Guys, we really do want to connect, okay? So I want you to go and follow us on Facebook, New Covenant Christian Church in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. You can follow me on Facebook, Pastor Scott Frazier. You can check us out on YouTube, NC3 Wilkesboro. And I want you to go to our website, okay? nc3wilkesboro.com. That's nc3wilkesboro.com. And there you can get messages like these and others and sort of keep up with what we're doing. And if the Lord lays it upon your heart, you can download the giving app and you can sow a seed. You can make an investment into our ministry. Because we know we can't do it without friends and partners like you. We thank you so, so much. And now I want to pray in Jesus' name that heaven's blessings be upon you. I pray that your best day is in front of you. And I pray the presence and the power of God always be with you. Don't ever forget the one that knows you best loves you most. See you next time.